So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading from verse 6. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May God give us understanding to this word. It's a great word, isn't it? It is a fantastic word, and uh, we're going to expand it a little bit and understand it a little bit further. But before we do, I'm going to, uh, going to ask, who got enough sleep last night? Yeah, good, good. Quite a few of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we ask the question sometimes, and I think, oh, never enough sleep. <laughs> Could sleep forever. Well, no, no, don't, don't want to do that either, do we? <laughs> don't want to do that. Miss out on all the joys of life. Um, but, but we do need sleep, don't we? We actually need sleep. Our bodies really need sleep. And they tell us if we don't sleep, if we don't get enough sleep. Your body starts to crave sleep. You need to have sleep. Much like your body, if you don't give it food, it starts to hunger for food. Your body really craves sleep if you don't get enough sleep. Throughout the day, the desire for sleep will build. And when it reaches a certain point, you just sleep. That's what happens. A major difference between sleep and hunger, though, is that your body can't force you to eat when you're hungry, but when you're tired, it can actually put you to sleep. If you're in a, a meeting, have you ever fallen asleep in a meeting? Zoom meetings. Boy, some of them were hard. <laughs> some of them were really hard, and sort of the camera would just go off for, for a couple of seconds. <laughs> how, many, how many students uh, kept their cameras off <laughs> last year? Teachers, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Maybe it's behind the wheel of a car, which is a scary one, isn't it? Where you've just driven and driven or you're really tired and the sun's beating down on you and all of a sudden you're exhausted and your eyes are just, you sort of keep one half up. It's dangerous. Because when you are exhausted, your body 
makes you sleep. Even if it's that micro sleep, you can, have a, you can actually have a sleep, this thing, we can have a, a sleep with your eyes open. Has anyone do that or done that? Does anyone? Maybe you can do that really well. You probably sit here. Is anyone sitting here like that? <laughs> maybe they are. <laughs> but it's scary if you're in a car and you have that little micro sleep. And that's what is very dangerous on a road. Recent research shows that there are more, there are a lot of health benefits from getting sleep. I think we already knew this, but a, a healthy amount of sleep is vital for the brain's ability to adapt to input. If we sleep too little, we become unable to process what we've learned through the day and we have more trouble remembering it into the future. So that's a good thing. So sleep helps us to have a bit further in our memory. Researchers also believe that that sleep may promote the removal of waste products from the brain cells. Who knew there was waste products in the brain cell? There you go. New things we learn. (laughs) I didn't know our brains extract waste. Uh, Better get good sleep or you're going to have lots of brain waste. (laughs) Sleep is vital for the body as well. When we don't get enough sleep, our health um, risks rise. Symptoms of depression, seizures, high blood pressure and migraines can all worsen. Immunity can be compromised when we don't have enough sleep and the likelihood of illness and infection can grow. So sleep is important. It plays a really important role in our metabolism, which affects our weight as well. A lot of things are linked to sleep. So I'm not ever going to feel guilty for being like this guy and falling asleep on the couch ever again. (laughs) I admit my sleep patterns aren't always the best and that's something I need to work on. And your body tells us, tells it when it's deprived. And just as neglecting sleep does some harm to our physical bodies, neglecting to focus on the ongoing work of God in our lives actually does harm to our spiritual formation as the people of God. We've just read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And in it, Paul describes believers as the vessel that contains the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. What a wonderful treasure to be entrusted to us. This is a light that that just before that in verse 6, Paul Paul writes before that one in verse 6, Paul writes that God himself said, let light shine out of darkness. It's the light that shines through us. God's light that shines through us. Pretty cool. If you need to be reminded of that light, here's what John 8 verse 12 says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is this light, this light that now shines in us. We carry the light. How great is that? How exciting is that? We have sort of Jesus' light in us. Sort of like we're we're God's lamps. The light is in us and we shine out the light. Have you ever felt like a lamp? A weird one, isn't it? I've never felt like a lamp. When you turn a lamp on, it does its job, doesn't it? It shines light and it sort of brings uh, light into darkness. That's the purpose of a lamp. That's what it does. However, what happens when I, I sort of wrap a, a lamp up in, in sort of maybe dark tape and put 
garbage bags around it and, and put black cardboard all over and through it. Do you believe that the light's still inside? Yeah, the light's still there. The light's probably still on. But perhaps we can't see the glow of it anymore. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want it to set the scene, I think, for the coming year as well. Because we all know that the light of God through Jesus Christ, the light of the world, it's not going to stop shining. That's one thing we can be assured of. It will never stop shining. His light is its the eternal flame as such, always pointing towards God. So it's not the light so much that I'm going to focus on today. It's the vessel that contains the light, and that's you and I. You know, whilst the, the light doesn't change, unfortunately for us, the, the vessels can be a little bit fragile and, and susceptible or, or, or prone to breakages. <laughs> this is where God sees it right to place this, this treasure into. So the question for each of us today as, as God's vessels is, how healthy is your vessel? How healthy is your vessel? Let me pray. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to understand how our bodies, who we are, are to shine your light into the world. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to be transformed to your likeness. Amen. What's well, amazing truth, isn't it, that we've received? The knowledge of God and the revelation of God in Christ is this light of truth that Paul describes as a treasure. So if we have this treasure that we've been entrusted with, you'd think that God would sort of put it in appropriate storage, wouldn't you? <laughs> Perhaps an unbreakable safe or a guarded fortress with laser beams that you can't get through. But this is not the case. Rather, this glorious riches, this treasure from God is placed inside jars of clay. We place a high value on car safety nowadays, don't we? One of the things that we look for when we buy a new car isn't how great the stereo is. Well, we sometimes do. Sometimes. <laughs> but we actually look at the safety rating. Why? Because the most valued possessions that you have get inside that, that metal box. Maybe your kids or your family or your friends or even yourself. I'm not going to put them in something made of terracotta that doesn't have any airbags. <laughs> Yet this is what God's done. He stored the most precious gift that he has in jars of clay. The King James Version of the Bible translates jars of clay as earthen vessels, vessels of the earth. This is quite significant. Paul's pointing to a, a jar that's come from the earth, an earthen vessel. Uh, our minds sort of take us back when we hear that to our origin stories, where Adam was made from the dust of the ground and breathed in nostrils and breathed no, uh, into his nostrils the breath of life. This, this coming up of the ground is what God places his treasure into. We are those earthen vessels that store this treasure. 
And if we think, we're going to think about a couple of things about clay pots and draw some parallels to us as well. Because first, clay pots are very common. Clay pots are very common. A clay pot back in Paul's time was a common piece of equipment used in the household. Every household would have clay pots. It would have been used for water storage. And if you were lucky enough, your clay pot would have been turned into wine at your son's wedding. (laughs) There are many references to the potter throughout Scripture because it was someone that people knew. People could relate to the fact that there was a potter. He was known in the villages. His work would have been well used. And whilst there was no mass-produced machinery to, to make these clay pots in Paul's time, it meant that each pot was slightly different. But they'd sort of looked the same. There was a genericness to them. And they held a specific role. Hold things without leaking. That was their role. They were common items made from the most basic uh, materials that came from the ground. Now, don't hear me wrong. You're not common. You're unique. (laughs) And God made you who you are. But in some ways, we are common. I'm under no illusion that I'm just a speck on this earth, trying to fill the the mission of God um, just where I live, just as... James from Jamaica might be doing, or Sarah from Sweden is doing. And they wouldn't have the first idea of who I am. I'm just another person of the 7.7 billion people that God created in his image. We're all uniquely common, created in the image of God. So, yes, we are special, and God loves you individually, But he also loves the person sitting next to you as much. And the person sitting next to you and your neighbour and the people in Queensland. So consider yourself special. But perhaps we should say specially common. (laughs) Yet into these specially common vessels made from the earth is placed the most precious treasure imaginable. The second thing about pots, clay pots, is that they're fragile, aren't they? Clay pots are fragile. They break easily. You knock one over and it's shattered into pieces all over the ground. They weren't especially expensive pieces of work because they break. Now, our bodies are the most incredible piece of engineering that has ever been made. The way I'm always blown over by the way that our bodies are actually made. The fact that everything works together to form this is incredible. The way that we're able to breathe and have blood pumped around our body so it can continue to function, the way that my brain will tell my little toe to work through little nerve endings, it is unbelievably incredible. Yet the the outer casting, well, that's not much chop though, is it? (laughs) If yours is like mine, it gets a little bit squishy here and there. It's a bit more padding than others. But it's not that sturdy. Even last night, um, my outer casing copped a beating as I I was sort of drying off some some, some potatoes that I was seeing and I smacked my finger just on the bench and boy, it hurt. And I thought, wow, it'd be good to have a metal finger. (laughs) Because because our, our bodies can be broken. Skin tears, our bones break, our muscles snap, especially if you're over 40 and you think you can still do the things that you did when you were 16. They break. 
We are earthen vessels prone to breakages. The jars of clay are fragile. The third thing we know about jars of clay is that they're made by a potter. As common and as fragile as these jars of clay or these clay pots were, they were individually made by the potter. Each one was a creation in and of itself. And God made each of us and loves each of us. We are his creation. Like I said, we're uh, specially common. <laughs> Let, let's jump back to our passage. Uh, even though we're class, jars of clay, common and fragile, individually loved, God sees it right to store his light inside of each of us. We've got to ask the question, why? Why would he do that? And Paul gives us the answer in, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. To show that this all-surpassing power, this great power of God is God's. It's not ours. When I went to buy Solari, uh, to buy Solari the engagement ring that I put on her finger to ask her to marry me, I got a little case with it. It was a nice case. It was a nice case. So nothing too special. It did the trick. It kept the precious gem inside and made sure that I didn't lose it. I think it was black. It might have been black. I can't remember. Now, when I gave the ring to Solari, she looked at the ring. Oh, she, imagine she looked. She didn't look. She looked at the ring. She didn't shut the case up and go, whoa, look at this case. How amazing is the case? This is the best case I've ever seen. She didn't do that. If she had done that, I would have been a little worried. Instead, she said, are you serious? <laughs> and then she said, yes. <laughs> it was the treasure inside is what she saw. She didn't look at the casing. See, God uses our casing, as fragile as they are, and displays his extraordinary power through it. You're used for the kingdom of God. You know, the world likes to look at the container and make judgments based upon how the container looks or what the container might have done. We might get proud because of the achievements that we might have done. And some pride is good. But as people who love Jesus, we, may, we need to see that it's only through the power of God that we can do anything. I like what John Piper says in this. He says, God's purpose is to get the glory in all things. Uh, sorry, God's purpose to get the glory in all things determines how we do all things. Let me read that again. God's purpose to get the glory in all things determines how we do all things. God's purpose of storing his great treasure in earthen vessels is totally for God's glory. It's not the vessel that gets the glory. It's not us. It's, not us. it's God who receives the glory. Piper goes on to say, your, your ordinariness is not a liability. It's an asset. If you really want God to get the glory, it's an asset. No one's too common, too weak, too shy, too inarticulate, too disabled to do what God wants you to do with your gift. You are special, specially common. You might have been gifted with the best singing voice. And I have to say, today's worship was brilliant. So thanks, Mel, and your team. It was fantastic. 
But you might have been gifted with the best singing voice in the world to be used to worship God and help others to, to worship God. But God must get the glory for that. You might give to the poor and needy, but God is using you and must get the praise. I saw on Facebook and uh, through this week, there was a, a lady, I think, must be in this area, I couldn't find her again last night when I was looking, and, but who makes a, a bulk load of sandwiches, then gets on her Facebook and says, come and get them. If you need sandwiches today, come and get them. They're free, I'm not going to ask any questions. But it wasn't only yesterday that she did that. It was a regular thing for her. She just sensed this is the right thing to do. Now, I don't know if she's part of a church. I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know any of that. But I can imagine that, that, that a person who loves Jesus, who has the light shining through them, would do that for the glory of God. Can you imagine if all of us who had this treasure shining from us decided that we'd do something along those lines to show that treasure out to the world for the glory of God? God's glorified through us. Fragile clay vessels. Later on in, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Paul says, When I am weak, he is strong. When in spite of weakness, the human vessel can still shine God's glory because it's an incredible power of God. So anything good that comes from these jars of clay can only be attributed to God. God's glorified through these earthen vessels. You know, if we, if we stopped here, it's a good message and it means that we glorify God in all we do. That is good. But there's more in it because the text continues to move on. And in verse 8, we find that it's not all roses in life. And we know it because we live this life, don't we? Because the reality of life is that as, as much as we want to make all the sandwiches that we, we want now and give them to whoever needs them, our circumstances, tiredness, frustrations, our health, they don't always allow us to make the sandwiches. You can add whatever goodwill sort of thing you want into that. So to, to finish off, I want to bring us three principles that are going to help us to continue to be formed in the image of God and allow God to get the glory while still being hit by the ups and downs of life. The first one is this. A clay jar with a godly treasure inside remains fragile. It's still going to be fragile. And Job said in the book of Job, it says, Man's days are short and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does that he does not endure. The inescapable fact is of life is that in life we're going to be troubled. We're going to be perplexed. We're going to be persecuted and we're going to be struck down. It's hard. Life as a jar of clay has its problems. Things don't go as we planned them. Trouble comes because maybe we made a wrong or poor decision, followed the wrong person. You stand up for your faith and you get shot down just as quickly. You lose a job, your marriage is a struggle, your, your studies are overwhelming and life is tough. And although you've still got this treasure inside of you, you're still fragile. Now, being human, the flesh always is going to have its struggles. The jar of clay is always going to be subjected to the pressures of day-to-day -day living. 
as earthen vessels, will always be buffeted by the storms of life, the temptations of the flesh, the sicknesses of the world. This is the reality that we are living in. And the, and the reality is that it is God that allows these trials. It's God that allows these hardships, these temptations to come to us. That's tough to reconcile, isn't it? That's hard to work through. We're fragile vessels holding this powerful treasure, yet we still get tossed around. But that's where I come to point to. The vessel may be frail, but the treasure is not. The story doesn't end there. 2 Corinthians 4.8 tells us, Just because we are afflicted in every way, it doesn't mean that we're crushed. Just because we're perplexed doesn't mean that we have to be in despair. Just because we're persecuted doesn't mean we have to be forsaken. And just because we're cast down doesn't mean that we will be destroyed. The opposite is the truth. We can be afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We can be perplexed, but not driven to despair or depression. We can be mistreated, but not left abandoned. We can be struck down, yet not defeated. We can endure life's passing afflictions because of God's grace, because the vessel is frail, but the treasure is not. The treasure that shines through our weakness is also the power that sustains us, that keeps us in every storm and every trial. So we can confidently walk into the storms, knowing that God is with us. The vessel's frail. The treasure's not. The vessel may be subject to the pressures of life, but the treasure's not. The vessel may be beaten down and driven to its knees, but the treasure brings it back up and rises above. The precious gift of God, the treasure of His Spirit that He's placed in your life, is more than able to sustain you through all of life's hardships. The power is not in the vessel. The power is in the treasure. Verse 10 sums this up of 2 Corinthians 4. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. The light and life of God is always with us in Jesus. To sustain us, yes, through those trials. But also to show the power of God in, in all his glory. But also that Jesus may be visible in and through us. That's what verse 10 is saying. The treasure of God sustains us that we may show the visibility of Christ in us. Isn't that incredible? That we're frail, specially common, yet image bearers of Christ. Wow, that Christ is made visible in me and you. I find that astounding. I remember when Solari and I were dating, we got some advice quite early on. Don't do anything that you wouldn't be comfortable doing in front of your mum. <laughs> Fair enough. If we take that idea and put it across to this text, we have the light, Christ's light in us. We are the image bearers of Christ. Doesn't that mean that we must be Christ-like in all we do? So, so take this advice. Don't do anything that you wouldn't be comfortable doing in front of Jesus. Would you lie in front of Jesus? 
would you show Jesus your internet browsing history? Would you say that joke in the coffee room to Jesus? Would you covet your, your best friend's power tools or, or your, your, your friend's shoes, whatever it might be, in front of Jesus? It's the treasure that preserves us. We are frail. The treasure isn't. It's the very real presence of God in our lives that sustains and endures us the hardships and pressures and struggles and the temptations. This, this treasure is the power of God. If we neglect it, in essence, we're saying to God, I can do it in my own strength. I got this one, God. And what that's saying is, I'm going to take that glory. I'm going to wrap it up in black plastic so no one can see the light and it's all going to be about me. So we must accept the power of God is camped in us in this earthly vessel. Each of you are that earthly vessel, strengthened by God in the trials in order to glorify him and reveal Jesus through your own lives. The last thing is that we need to continue to renew ourselves because continual renewal prepares us for future glory. So we're these frail vessels sustained by God, but we cannot neglect our bodies just like we can't forget to sleep or not sleep. We need to sleep to renew our physical bodies because our sleep renews. And likewise, we need renewal for what Paul calls our inner nature. He's not concerned as much about the outward nature. He said the outward nature sort of falls away, but the inward nature is renewed every day. If we move down to verse 16, we'll hear that language uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It was this day-by-day renewal that kept the, the, the jar from cracking under the pressures that are so real in our lives. Our lives are faster, are busier, are more chaotic than ever. There's more mental health concerns now than ever. COVID's messed up our, our quite straight, linear lives and made it really curvy. But that shouldn't be the catalyst for the cracks if we renew day by day. Romans 12 two says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our transformation is through renewal. That's, it's not a transformation of the clay pot. It's, it's, about, it's not about getting sort of finding a crack and getting the putty, putty filler out and, and fixing the crack. The daily renewal is a transformation of our mind and our heart. It, it not only keeps us shining the light of Christ, it not only shows the world what Jesus is like, but it keeps us from falling under the weight of the world. The outward man, the vessel, was strained, distressed and troubled. But the inward man, the treasure in earthen vessels, was renewed day by day. The daily renewal that kept God from giving into despair, from hopelessness. We all need that renewal. We all need that renewal. So how do we do that? How do we move into being a people who are becoming formed spiritually so that we can shine the light of Christ in every interaction that we have with others? I want to say all those usual things. Get into your Bible. Read it. Pray. 
Write down what God's speaking about. Do all those things. Live a life worthy of the treasure stored in you. Get into doing those things. That's all important, but there's something more. Verse 18 says this. It tells us that we need to look at what we cannot see. It says, look at the things you cannot see. Look at the eternal things. So how on earth do we look at something we can't see? Because if we can't see it, how do we look at it? It makes sort of sense. We're being told to look beyond what's right in front of us, aren't we? Don't just see the hardships that are sitting in front of us. Don't just see the trials and the troubles or the temptations that are sitting in front of us. Don't just see the immediate that's in front of us. Because quite often we see that and it's overwhelming. It's tough. There's something beyond those things. There's something beyond all that that we may not be able to see. But in Christ, we can walk towards. We see that God is sorting out that future. That God is in front of us, that is walking before us. And God's treasure will shine into that space. We've got to live on earth in a way that reflects Christ's glory. Live on earth in a way that shows Christ to others, that reveals God's treasure. Live in a way that is going to impact eternity. As a church leadership, we've been looking at what a future vision for KSBC will look like. And I chose these verses this morning because as I read them over summer, I had a sense that maybe this is what God's calling us to do this year, is to work on what it looks like to be a jar of clay in this world. Holding on to this precious treasure, a light that shines that God's glory will be seen. And we met then at the end of January and I chose, after I chose these verses. And the skeleton vision that we've sort of come to, that we want to bring the church, and it's a fair bit to go on this, but I wanted to bring this to you this morning, is we came up with this, that we're spiritually transformed people who saturate our areas that we live for Christ. That's what we want to be as a church. Spiritually formed or transformed in order to saturate the areas we live for Christ. Now, there's still a lot to do with that statement that we've got to work out. What does that really mean? What does it look like? I'm not going to put it up on the wall or anything like that quite yet. But that's the heart that we believe God's been sort of sharing with the leadership, a spiritual formation to lead to sort of saturating our neighbourhoods for Christ. Being jars of clay, shining light into the neighbourhood. It's sort of... My eyes saw it, that God's put those things together. Jars of clay that shines light. That's what we're being called to be. So this year, I, I, I want us to come back to this. This idea that we are jars of clay, shining the light of Christ. Wherever we are, whether we're here on, throughout the week, whether you're at home now, or whether you're into your workplace, whether you go into the city, or whether you travel into state, or whether you end up overseas, wherever you may be, at Sindal Jamie, wherever you are, be that jar of clay shining Christ's light this year. And ultimately, it's going to be great for the kingdom because God gets all the glory. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, you are good. Your word brings truth to our lives. Lord, help us to be those fragile, special, 
but fragile containers that hold the most precious gift. Lord, we know that, that Jesus is the light of the world. May we reflect and may we show Christ in and through who we are, through our actions and through all our interactions with those that we come across. May we be spiritually transformed. That we, may we see Christ's love go into the nation. Amen.